Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Progressive Bitcoiner podcast. I'm your host, Trey Walsh, and today we have on the podcast my friend, friend of the pod, Jason Mayer. So many of you might know Jason as the guy who wrote uh, Progressive's Case for Bitcoin. And again, Jason wrote the book. I'm doing the podcast for those who have have confused us. Uh, that's okay. Um, in good company, Jason's uh, just an incredible guy, an incredible friend, and really excited to have him on the podcast to talk all things his book, to talk about his attempt to orange pill and bring Bitcoin education to you know everyone, but including uh, progressives and those on the left that have been told many things about Bitcoin that may be in conflict uh, with what Bitcoin actually is. So really proud of the work that he's been doing and really would encourage you to get his book, as we've been saying, if you haven't already, and you're going to be able to use our promo code TPB and check out in the link below as well. Uh, but we get into progressive values. You know, what what is a progressive? What are some of those values that we're, we're talking about? Um, we also go into things a little bit more being a progressive podcast and a podcast for those on the left. Um, so really hope you enjoy this conversation with Jason. And if you have any questions or feedback for us at all, please feel free to reach out to us at hello at progressivebitcoiner.com. All right, enjoy the conversation and we will see you again next week. Hey, Jason, welcome. Welcome back to the Progressive Bitcoiner podcast because you, you were on once before, I believe. Um, yeah. How are you? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Excited to, to be part of this reboot and to, to re-record with you now, Trey. Yeah. This is awesome. Yeah, I'm super excited. And, uh, you know, just before, actually just this morning, I was uh, listening recently to your conversation with Preston, which I thought was awesome. Um, and one thing, too, I'm excited to do with you is... You know, there's a lot of avenues. You're talking to a lot of Bitcoiners. You're talking to a lot of politicians. And I want to be able to nerd out with you a little bit too. I'm hoping this episode will be and can be an episode that's for progressives, for those lefties in Bitcoin, for ideally, and hopefully if we get the word out enough, for progressives that are really skeptical and hesitant about Bitcoin and us both being in that camp to really flesh that out a little bit Um in this conversation. But I guess before we jump in too much, let me not make too many assumptions. Do you want to tell people who you are, uh, what you're doing, a little bit about your background? Sure. Um, so my name is Jason Mayer. I am, uh, my day job is that I'm a high school math teacher in Connecticut. I've been doing that for a couple of decades and <clears throat> really sort of built my career around teaching people uh, and sort of finding a way to educate people who um, might be scared of the topic, right? Like high school math fits that category pretty well. Um, and that was seemed to be an obvious and natural segue into the Bitcoin world because I really enjoyed teaching people or helping them understand Bitcoin. Um, and so that, you know, that background of teaching high school math for a living uh, transitioned well. And I ended up writing a book called The Progressive's Case for Bitcoin, um, where I sort of outline the fundamental like arguments that make sense for somebody coming from a left of center viewpoint about why Bitcoin is valuable and powerful. Um, and so, you know, that book came out earlier this spring and really just trying to, to spend my time as much as I can spreading the word about uh, why Bitcoin is useful and important and should be studied and should be learned about. Um, so that's the very, very quick background of, of who I am. And I've got the book here. Let me show it for our small but hopefully growing YouTube watchers. Um, so uh, one thing I'll say too, and 
you know, if I've said it to you offline or here, I'll make sure to say it too. This book, I think, is incredible for many reasons. A lot of people talk about, oh, it's really great because it targets a left audience. It's not really something that's um, we've had in Bitcoin before or yet in terms of something so targeted like this in the space. You know, it's similar to hopefully what we're trying to do through this podcast. But also, I'll say and want to highlight to people, you're a really smart guy. Um, you, you talked recently publicly on Peter's podcast about you had also gone into a PhD program. Like you're, you're, a, you're a very well-intentioned, well-thought, like academic as well. And I think that really comes through in this book. Like you're, you're talking about really, really complex things in a very simple way. There's some, there's some chapters and start, you know, in the book where you start to nerd out a bit on certain things just enough i think for people to pull in or maybe there's some people that read it and they're like i'm still a little bit confused but then they can go off and research more if they want so you're able to take really complex ideas not just about bitcoin for like progressives or the politics but some of the math involved with bitcoin the actual like what bitcoin mining is hashing all of these complex things and putting it into simple terms uh without in my opinion missing some really important things or skipping over things. So I think that's a great thing about the book as well that anyone can appreciate regardless of where they're at on their Bitcoin journey. And, and I'm, I'm curious if you've gotten similar similar feedback on that. Well, I, thank you. Thanks for saying that. I think that the, the entire goal of the book and, and of me writing the book is to just really be able to reach an audience that doesn't know about Bitcoin yet and explain it in ways that they understand and, and that resonate with them. Um, and the whole conceit of the book is that it approaches uh, these topics from an avenue that people, you know, aren't, they don't have to work through a barrier of like, oh, I don't agree with this political statement or I don't agree with this piece of it and then still learn about Bitcoin. It's just sort of like meant to be easy. Um, so it's, I mean, the idea that the book is easy to read and there's complicated topics that are, ex you know, explained um, simply is the highest compliment I can get, I guess, because that's the goal of the book. Um, and, I, and I do think that um, it's important to be able to understand, you know, just the concepts and the the sort of structural, how Bitcoin works on a structural level. And of course, there is abstraction and there's metaphors and there's ways to understand, uh, you know, how different pieces of, of this whole thing work. Um, but, you know, I enjoy that. That's, that's, like I said before, right? that's my job is to explain, break down really complicated um, topics into bite-sized pieces, you know, keep people within the zone of proximal development so that they're pushing themselves a little bit. Um, but not getting turned off and frustrated because they don't understand the material or what is they're trying to learn. So, you know, I, I really did try to, um, you know, the the voice you hear in the book and the and the writing is is very authentic. It's not like I'm trying to be somebody that I'm not. It's really just sort of like this is something that you know I've I've come to understand and I think is really important. I want other people to understand it too. And, you know, the whole, uh, you know, the whole story behind my getting into Bitcoin was through a math and computer science background, right? Like I'm a high school math teacher. I went to graduate school for pure mathematics. Um, you know, I was one step away from getting my PhD. Like I was able to pick up some of the resources that are very technical and understand Bitcoin on that level first. That's what got me the conviction to, to really feel like Bitcoin is a powerful tool that's going to help the world and, um, and be a benefit to society. Not everybody can do that, right? Like not everybody can pick up like a technical book or watch a technical video about the inner workings of Bitcoin, the computer science code or the mathematics behind hashing or encryption and, and really understand in a deep way what that is right away. Um, and so that in my mind 
opened an avenue towards you know how can I how can I bridge that gap between where people are and and understanding Bitcoin uh, a little bit better. Um, and so you know again, thank you for saying that. I think that's like I said, it's the most it's the highest praise that you can give the book because it's really meant to be a zero to one introduction for people so that they can hopefully get a conviction about Bitcoin and continue learning. Right, the book is meant to be. Uh, not the last book that you read about Bitcoin. You're supposed to continue uh, learning. Yeah, and I, I think that's, I, I hope that's what it does, right? Because it's hard for me because it wasn't the first right. book in Bitcoin I've read. And yeah. I'm sure you feel the same way. It's kind of like me with this podcast. Someone like might say, oh, that resonated with me or that episode. Well, I'm watching myself back a little bit, right? Or you might you might say, I wrote this book and I and I outlined it and I, and I think it resonates, but, uh, you know, and large part you have to go off of what people are telling you as well about how they how they received it because it's one thing to write it it's another thing to read it um but i've seen a lot of similar comments um and i think there's two things that happen a lot of times there's either a really complex topic and it's kept complex and kind of like the famous satoshi quote that it's like if you don't get it i don't have time to to explain it to you (laughs) one of my least favorite satoshi quotes and you know i wasn't i'm not crazy about that i'm not crazy about that they said that and that's okay right or (laughs) <laughs> on the other end, where you oversimplify um, too much and just say Bitcoin fixes this, or and I, I kind of like the you know Bitcoin fixes this or you know fix the money, fix the world. Right. Uh, we like those as kind of meme worthy quotes, but to go down that middle road is really really important, um, and, and I think that's what this book does. Well, you know one of, one of the things that I like to say, and I and I try to to convey this through the book is this this idea that Bitcoin fixes everything, right? Like the on the back of the computer I'm using right now, there is a sticker, right? Fix the money, fix the world. Um, and I and I believe that. I just want to make sure people understand, like that's not um, like Bitcoin isn't like the last step towards fixing the world. It's like step zero. So you adopt like a better, sounder money that makes sense and is decentralized and not in people's control. That can change the world for a better place, but it requires work, right? There's like many steps between the adoption, understanding, and promotion of Bitcoin, and then the world being a better place. It's not as if like it just is like it just happens magically, right? So it still requires work. Like the fix the money, fix the world meme um, is great, and and I do subscribe to that. But I also want to subscribe and make sure people understand like there's many steps between those two things and it requires work and diligence and people being, you know, uh, thoughtful about how they're implementing Bitcoin and what kind of world that they want to see. Um, and so hopefully that that message is is portrayed through the book, too, where you know, or in conversations that I have that this is just sort of like step zero, right? You, you adopt better money, you understand better money. And now let's go leverage that to make the society that we want, or to build the world that we want to see, and not keep it too simple. But you know, again, like keep people in that zone of proximal development, where they're going to learn, but without being frustrated, right? Like you need to be frustrated a little bit when you're learning, because without that, you're not actually learning something new. But be mindful of like where most people are and realize like you can't jump too far at once when you're learning something new. You need to sort of like do the incremental steps. And in this episode, you know, we we could have done an episode where it's five hours and you outline every chapter, right? My own personal style is to take a couple of points and explore a little further, explore something that I think would be beneficial to to this audience. So again, you know, Look at the book, even just just go on, you know, Bitcoin Magazine's website, Amazon, see the outline of the book, right? Um, you know, see some of the topics that, that Jason talks about, because we don't have time to explore all of that in this. Um, and that's why you should read the book. And also, Bitcoin is a systemic worldwide 
phenomenon, but also it is deeply individual. Like you said, you've got to explore it for yourself. You've got to use it. You have to explore it. You have to see what makes sense to you. And you've talked a lot about that. You know, each chapter is focused on a different topic in a way. Bitcoin might appeal to some progressives through flipping the narrative on its head for the environment and what they what they've heard about how terrible it is for the environment. Well, that's not necessarily the case, actually. So they can explore it that or certain topics around wealth inequality. But I think, too, something that I try to focus on a lot is not only is whatever we do about like Bitcoin, about the money, the asset, the thing. It's also about the problems that Bitcoin exposes. And I think that's even a, a bigger orange pill in and of itself is some people, especially on the left, might not really care about money, um, might not know about money. And you've, you've explained that. And that's something that I had to start learning as well on my Bitcoin journey is like, what even is money? That's really, really important. But I think the bigger thing, the more compelling thing for me is it exposed the things that exist in our world that it doesn't have to be this way. These systems that are broken and that keep poor people poor or keep certain nations the way that they're run and structured and going through different dictators every 10, 15 years, you know, this concept. So for you, I think from a, maybe from a personal, like being a progressive, but also for progressives, what are some of the things that you think Bitcoin exposes for, for people to be aware of? Yeah, no, I, I think that, it, I mean, that's a good point, right? And I've, and I've said um, before that, the book is in a, in a way equal parts like learn about Bitcoin, but also learn about the legacy financial system and the structures that already exist. Because as you say, and not just progressives don't care about money. Like most people don't think about money in this, in the, like the definitional sense, like what is money? What makes good money? It's just something handed to us since birth and we don't question or think about. Um, or maybe you might be, be able to find like a four-year-old who's very skeptical and like, well, well how does this work? <laughs> and like asking really deep questions and parents can't like, you know, answer those questions. So that's where we are with like most people, right? Like learning about what is money, what's monetary technology, how has it evolved over time? And just the simple fact that like money has evolved for thousands of years to be different things to different people in different circumstances um, is almost enough to sort of get you thinking like, hey, like money isn't this fixed thing that the government says and it's green paper and like this is what it has to be like that it can shift and evolve over time so like you know first and foremost learning about bitcoin means you're learning about what money is as you say right that's super important and critical to understanding bitcoin and then also the legacy financial system and one of the things that bitcoin you know that it does for me is it highlights the idea that like the problems that we see in society and and this is consistent like both left and right like we like people look at the world and and we see how it's run and we see what's happening and there are problems that you want to solve right like whether it's wealth inequality or the environment or sort of war or whatever the case may be there's things out there that you want to fix what Bitcoin highlights is this idea that those problems aren't just sort of like surface level problems on the top of a healthy system. They are like fundamental to the system that has been built, right? So like wealth inequality isn't just like an unfortunate consequence of a couple of greedy people at the very top 
And then the whole system otherwise is like healthy and sound, right? Like the wealth inequality as it exists, like is interwoven into how money is created, how money is distributed, how money is leveraged and used by powerful people uh, with connections and resources. And so like you start to understand like, oh, I can't just like snap my fingers and solve the one problem and then everything else like works and is, and is like a solid, stable, healthy, fair system. The whole system is unfair and biased and rigged against most people. And you really, there's no way to like undo it in a way that you just get like, take only the bad parts out, right? And so you start to question, how is the world that we're looking at constructed and designed and favors certain types of people? And you start to question not just the problem, but then the solution, right? And you do that through a Bitcoin lens. And a lot of things that um, I thought that I understood before learning about Bitcoin come into sharper contrast and relief. And you say, oh, I can actually read, you know, X book or uh, read this news article or this thing popped up in the New York Times and I'm reading it through a completely different lens. And we can see what that's like with inflation or wealth inequality or the environmental impact of Bitcoin or uh, the environmental impact of other things. Also, you start to look at it with a more nuanced approach and you, you just see not only the solutions in a different way, but the problems also. And I think that's really appealing to like a general, like progressive audience, right? The addressable market of people who are like, yeah, I'm like, I see these problems in the world. I don't like them. Um, and I've been told like, these are the solutions, but yet the political process isn't solving anything. It, like these problems still exist. Um, how can we sort of flip the script and look at totally new solutions, totally new systems? And Bitcoin does that. Yeah, and I, and I think there's a large percentage of of people, right? And I keep mentioning progressive because the kind of the target audience here for now, until one day it doesn't need to be, yes. are progressives. <laughs> but I think citizens and people in general see year after year in the United States, but also globally in many different contexts. But I'll talk just in the U.S. for now. You know, this frustration that year after year, administration after administration, the problems are the same. Healthcare is really expensive. Our climate continues to warm and continues to barrel out of control, right? One of the, you know, the hottest summer, we hear that every summer and it's happening again. <laughs> yeah. um, inflation continues growing out of control, right? Um, and I think one of my frustrations with the Democratic Party as it is today, but for a while, um, regardless of who who is in there, right? From, from Biden to Bernie to everyone else is almost what seems like kind of throwing your hands in the air with the system saying, this is the system we got. So we're going to do these band-aid fixes. And what I mean by that is just this morning, I was curious, it's been a little while I went on uh, Bernie's website and one of the biggest things, especially from his socialist leaning campaign is saying, how are they going to pay for everything? Right. That's a big question they get all the time. And so they go through and say, this tax will pay for this, this wealth tax will pay for this, this will pay for this. Now, again, making the assumption that we have to propose all of these things because the wealthy elites are always going to be the wealthy elites. The businesses are always going to be the businesses. The government is going to be the government, right? That's making the assumption that that is the only solution we have, right? And now, again, this isn't a, a you know an attempt for me to say we should tax less or or this and that. I think both sides are using taxation, you know, uh, on on the right historically, it's a lot to support the like military industrial complex on the left, it's support to support social programs with maybe not the best understanding of, of money or how, how that will, you know, play out five years from now. Right. Um, you know, noble causes on the left, let's say that. So yeah. there is, there is this, I almost view it. It's not intentional, I think on their part, but almost this giving up of, well, 
you know, we're always going to have the wealthy, greedy people. We're always going to have these corporations. We're always going to have the government as is, the Fed as it is, all of these things. So this is the best we got. And it's like Bitcoin kind of flips that on its head in a lot of ways. Um, Can you can you touch on that a little bit? Just because, again, getting outside of the system, because right now, even the most progressive politicians, the most what some people would call radical are still working within a system that is, in my opinion, destined to fail at some point. Right. I, and I agree with, I agree with you, right? Like we, we can see and feel, especially if you like read and understand Bitcoin or you, you know, if you're in that space that like we, our system right now and our, our economic system, our political system, it's all like on a nice edge. It's a house of cards. Like it, it can't be sustained, right? Like all of that's, seems to be true right so i agree with that assessment um i I wouldn't say that like the politicians like bernie and and otherwise have like given up and say okay well this is the system we have let's work within it i just don't think they can see they just simply cannot see another way because you're in you know like in the system as it's been designed and you're just trying to come up with solutions right so um, I, and it's hard for me to fault somebody who doesn't understand Bitcoin, but sees problems in the world and tries to come up with good faith, like attempts to solve the problems, right? Like, I do think that like the political class and the politicians that we all sort of look up to and expect to do good things do play games and they try to like score political points. And it's really sort of like inefficient. Some of it's inefficient by design. All that's true. But I don't think that... Um, like at its core, it's a, it's like a giving up our maliciousness. I think it's just like literally like, well, how do we solve the system? In the in the book, I address this. I have this analogy with board games uh, where, you know, these high level strategy board games are some of them are asymmetric by design, which is interesting because different players have different um, properties where they can do different things within the game uh, compared to other people. And then what ends up happening over time is that people play these games and they realize that it's not fair, right? Like the one player has an unfair advantage. And then they uh, publish these handicapped little pamphlets for the book that get sent out. And say, oh, if you're playing as the red player, then we're going to change the rules a little bit just to make it a little bit more fair. Um, and this happened. And like people like playing high level strategy board games, they nerd out about it and they want to play asymmetric games because you can replay them a lot and they're really interesting and they're co- complicated. But it's not fun if you're playing a game that's not fair. Like that's a, like level one, right? Like you cannot have fun playing a game if it's not fair. And these handicapped rules are just designed to like tweak the dials from within the system, right? So instead of two woods, every turn you get three or something like that, right? Well, that's what's happening with like the Democratic Party, I think, right? Like, oh, we see this world that's not fair. We want to fix it. And we are working within the system. So we're going to tweak the dials a little bit. and We're going to say, all right, we're going to make it easier to get student loans, or we're going to make the minimum wage higher, or we're going to support unions or whatever the, like, whatever the thing is. It doesn't matter. You pick any one of those things. What you're doing is working within the system as it already exists to tweak the dials to make things a little bit more fair. And I don't like I'm not being critical of that. I think that's probably a very good solution if that's how you view the world. Right. Like if that's the system and you can't see without it. Um, and and so the beauty of Bitcoin is that it allows you to see a different system, a different possibility. So you sort of zoom out away from the system as it is. And we all can agree that it's it's corrupt and unfair and biased and, um, and and destined to fail. 
Bitcoin allows you to zoom out and see that um, and hopefully explore different solutions or to understand the problem a little bit differently. And even if, you know, like, I don't believe this, but maybe Bitcoin isn't the answer, uh, then all of a sudden, like, at least you're looking at the problem differently. And maybe there is some answer out there that exists that actually does help people, makes the system a little bit more fair. And, you know, what's wrong with exploring different ways of viewing the world, I think it's great. Hi, everyone. Hope you're enjoying the episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Bitbox. Now, Bitbox is a hardware wallet that's open source, incredibly secure and easy to use. And it's what I'm using to safely secure my Bitcoin in cold storage. Now, I know self-custodying Bitcoin can really be intimidating, but Bitbox is designed for ease of use without compromising on security. It's USB-C compatible and allows you to easily back up and restore your private keys with a micro SD card, which is really cool. Now you can purchase the BitBox using the promo code TPB at the link found in the show notes for 5% off your purchase. And I really want to thank BitBox for their support of the podcast. And I'm really excited about this new partnership. All right, I'll let you get back to the episode now. Yeah. And for me, that that's kind of where I try to start with people because if someone doesn't, if they're just living their life, they're, you know, especially in the US, they make a middle class income, they're doing okay. It might be a little tight sometimes in general. There, there isn't the in-your-face hyperinflation, they're fleeing a repressive regime, all of these other things that makes holding like government money very dangerous a lot of times. A lot of times what I like to start with, they're like, okay, they hear Bitcoin and they're like, a crypto thing? What do you, like, yeah, I see it on my Robinhood account. But really? Like, okay, that's okay, whatever. Until they get, oh, what Bitcoin's really about, talk about the problems, right? That that's that's the biggest thing. And and you know, consistently one of my biggest frustrations with the Democratic Party is like many people, and I, and I agree with you, it's not like a willful, like, well, we just give up. You're, I think you're exactly right about that. It's, you know, it is working within that system um, in ways that they can. But I think one of my frustrations, and I see it a lot, uh, you know, I'm in, in New England in the US, very affluent area, and a lot of talk about higher minimum wage, higher this, right? And, and again, I think all of those things are, are, are pretty good for a lot of places uh, with the current system we have. I think some of those checks are needed. But also I'm like, just minimum wage? Like that? that's not actually going to pay for the future we're barreling towards, right? Or it's like, they're also, I think unintentionally, and I will say they're making the assumption through action, not through things they're saying that, okay, almost like the biblical, like the poor will always be among you, right? But really, really embracing that. So, so they're advocating for working class and poor people in the US, which we should. Right. But also making the assumption we need more systems and more talk about how do we elevate these these folks. Right. And have them own a little bit more like Bitcoin is ultimate ownership as well. Right. It, just as the the asset itself, as the, the property, the currency, but also creates a system where more ownership is. And this isn't a conversation about communism and free markets and capitalists. It's more just like, OK, politicians through action have made an assumption that those in a certain class uh, won't be able to own anything like their parents or grandparents did because that's just kind of off the table at the moment. We just need to have them be able to eat, be able to afford rent, things like that. And again, we need to do that. That's that's in your face. Um, but long term, there's got to be a better solution here. Well, one would hope, right? And, and I think that th th this gets into like, what are, how are politicians incentivized, right? Like, you know, the one thing that, you know, and, I, and I'll say, like, I'm, I'm a progressive liberal person and, and always have been through my adult life. Um, I'm not a registered Democrat. Like, I, you know, like I because I, I um, 
you know, neither anymore. Well, I mean, yeah, and and I never have been, um, but I've never, I've always been sort of skeptical of the two party system. I'm skeptical of like Democrats as like this sort of corporate entity that like you know is not actually trying to help people. What you know, like I'm skeptical of that stuff now. Who do I vote for? I vote for Democrats because that those are the people who most align with my worldview and can have the best chance of beating the the people that don't align with my worldview in, in elections. But like, it's important to critically look at the incentive structure of politicians, right? Like, it's it, like we know that their motivations are to get elected and to get reelected, and um, it's important to just understand everything they do and say is through that lens, right? Like, it's not as if you know, like we can't have this idealistic like version of Mr. Smith goes to Washington and just there's people who are only trying to do the right thing. I mean, maybe that exists too, but like these people just want to get reelected and and there's a certain audience for like, okay, well, let's build everybody up. Let's make sure people can eat and pay their rent. Um, and there's you know, an audience for the opposite, right? Like don't do these free handouts and, and all of that almost nobody on either side is thinking of like the second and third order effects, right? It is primarily like I have an election coming up in two to four years. I want to get my name on legislation. I want to be able to say that I help people or reduce taxes or do, you know, X, Y, or Z. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, this is a highly skeptical thing. Like the, the people in power right now, I mean, are more motivated by being able to say they did something than actually do like the effective thing. and think through like what are the second and third order effects of this action right like i think that bitcoin offers a a chance to like step out of the system because i I just don't think that the political system as it's constructed right now which has perpetuated a lot of the problems that we see is able to fix the problems that we see so I, i think that um the hope of course is that we'll be able to step outside of that system because again this is sort of tangential to the point you're making but the people in power right now are not necessarily motivated to fix anything. They're motivated to talk about fixing it and they're motivated to take like the highly visible action so they can point to that. Um, but I, I'm not convinced that the people in power are necessarily motivated by fixing things. Um, I wish they were, but I don't, I don't believe that. <laughs> so. mm, yeah. And, and my hope too, and many in the community of those that get Bitcoin, advocate for it, all of these things, you know, my hope is that one of the main reasons we're here is not Bitcoin or like, oh, try to get rich and things like this. It's more like we've seen a problem and think there's a, a better alternative for human flourishing that, that's good for people, especially people that have not benefited from the current system. Right. So that's a very progressive left message. Um, yeah. So, I, and not necessarily like it's not about the Democratic Party. Right. It's about yeah. like progressive left ideals and the principles behind them. Um, yeah. So I think that's an important distinction. Yeah, for sure. And another thing I will will keep saying uh, for you know the the Bitcoiners that are listening to this, right, that have either interacted with with Jason or I in positive or or negative ways, right, is if we are you know you hear someone say they're progressive or left leaning values in Bitcoin and advocating for that. Again, if we're in Bitcoin, we're probably a little skeptical of the political system as it is or the system in general. So I, I do want people to understand that as well when. They hear progressive. They might have an idea of what progressive is, just like someone can have an unfair idea of what a conservative is or, or different times, um, things like that. But, but saying progressive means left, means value-based, not 
Elizabeth Warren or Joe Biden or uh, or a, a political party necessarily. And and I'll just I mean not to dwell on it too much, but I, I just want to drive home that point because it's really important. A lot of the people um, in the Bitcoin space who are critical of my work or what I'm doing or, or the message that you're sending out like to have this very caricature version of what progressive means. Um, it's just you know full on socialist communist like it, it's it's not, it's very one dimensional right. And I think people like to to portray the version of me that they would like to argue against instead of understanding that there's nuance. And there, there are a lot of people in the Bitcoin space who do not realize the extent to which progressive people who consider themselves left of center, liberal progressive people are critical, skeptical, like question the system as it exists like that. I see that around me all the time, right? It, it's, it's almost as if like the libertarian people have co-opted this idea that we're going to be skeptical of the government and nobody else can be like liberals are skeptical of the government in lots of really specific ways uh, and very thoroughly skeptical of like authority and power um, in in ways that have been happening for generations. Right. So it's not just a uniquely libertarian conservative thing to be you know, skeptical. Um, some of the solutions and some of the, the ideals don't necessarily match up, but like that exists. There are people who are skeptical of the government or of power or of authority and really like in my way, in my view, like positive ways. And and I think that that part is totally missed by these caricatures, right? This one dimensional like, oh, you're calling yourself progressive. And this is what my echo chamber has told me that means. And now it's easier for me to argue or dismiss you because you obviously believe this list of things. Um, instead of looking at the nuance of it. And I, I just like, like you said, I've encouraged people listening to this who don't necessarily align with progressive values to at least understand that there's more dimensionality, there's more nuance to it than um, than that caricature version of it. Mm -hmm. And everyone brings in their own politics, their own lived experience. And again, just trying to extend that, that grace, every individual. That's why you were intentional about saying a progressive's case for bitcoin like like a one progressive right not like this is this is the view of progressives if you're progressive in bitcoin this is this is what you say but also your your book is general enough that i think most people on the left or progressives would resonate with a lot of the themes you're talking about right without getting into specific policies who's going to pay for what how should we you know order ourselves in society all of the those things um but but you're 100 right and throughout my life and this is me personally what I what I saw kind of growing up, whether it's family or friends, those of the right for me growing up and and still kind of un, until recently, a lot of those on the right or Republicans were very supportive of the government. And it was folks on the left that were critical and, and fighting against that. Right. So I still have that understanding of left and a lot of prominent left Bitcoiners um, like having Margot on recently. I really enjoy talking with her because I think she articulates this that like progressive left values are those we saw in Occupy, those we saw in more in true libertarian and anarchist ways. And Ben DeWall over in Germany talks about this really well as well. That's that's the theme with what we're we're talking about, right? It's not this mainstream, like we all worked on Hillary's campaign or something, right? Like, like or whatever they view as the head of the Democratic Party yeah. Yeah. Or, or, or Joe Biden, right? Um, most of us come at this because we're critical. We're very human focused. And I think very socially liberal in that way, wanting to see human flourishing and support of all human beings. I think that's a non-negotiable that people can go back and listen to Margot and I's episode on, on that, especially for certain communities. Those are the values we're, we're carrying into this. Um, 
so again, I'll, I'll, I'll ask not because I enjoy talking about this, but because I, it comes up a lot for me. I, I even hate this question, but I don't know how else to say it. Like what, what is a progressive, right? What, what is someone from the left and what are some of those values? Because some people ask that in the Bitcoin community genuinely. Many people ask it as a leading comment to say, well, that doesn't align with Bitcoin. So right. for both of those camps, um, yeah. right. to, arti- to articulate, what, what is your pitch to say in general, again, understanding nuances, you know, what do we say if, if someone's kind of left progressive, uh, attached from Democratic Party and things like that? What do you think are some of those values that people people lead with or what you would lead with? Yeah, um, I mean, it, again, like I, I get this question a lot. And most of the time, it's it's like you say, it's, it's a leading question to argue, OK, well, then you're not into Bitcoin or you don't understand Bitcoin or what, whatever. Right? Like this is just. Yeah. And again, Jay, Jay, I will not trying to speak for you, but what I'm hearing, what I've seen from you, like we are trying to have these conversations in good faith, right? Whether right. it's getting yes. FUD and, um, you know, hate from the left about our involvement with Bitcoin or kind of, you know, mainstream or within within the Bitcoin community itself. You know, I'm having these conversations, not as a gotcha, not as Twitter Twitter banter or things like that. That's a lot of what this is, right? So we're, we're coming to it in good faith. So, you know, and most of my interactions with Bitcoiners are in good faith, by the way, I, I will say that, right? So I don't want to overstate trolls. I don't want to overstate this, but I do get this question a lot as well. Um, and, and I'll say, you know, there's, you know, we have examples of like sound money and like good monetary technology throughout history. And it's not as if, um, if you go back in time to a time where we were operating on like a functional gold standard or, you know, other moments and places in, in history that there was only like a one side of the political spectrum, right? Like you can have like a variety of political thoughts and ideals and like how to apply them to society. Um, if you have good money and it's not like the, it's not the domain of like one side of the political spectrum to have good money. And therefore, if we go back to good money, um, and we use sound money, like uh, standard, then everybody will become like conservative and everybody will become libertarian or something. Right. So like that, the notion to begin with is silly. Um, there has to be like a broad spectrum and a wide like example of what political beliefs can, can be held. And just because you have good money, all that means is that you have more solid, like foundational layer on which to build society. It's not like necessarily like point society in one direction or the other. So I'll just say that like, good money is not the domain of like one political party, one political like ideology. I think that good money sort of is a foundational layer below all of that. Um, and I'll just say that um, the book was written because um, as I started to learn more about, this is the answer to, to what I think progressive is. As I started to learn more about the the nuances of Bitcoin and started listening to more and more people, there was a lot of like, you know, quote unquote, culture war stuff thrown in to the commentary. Like, okay, well, you know, whether it's about um, gay rights or it's about, you know, a carnivore diet or it's about people who believe in envi- like the environmental impact of humans is, is like rubbish. There's a lot of like sort of commentary thrown in. And I know like you in particular and, and me, of course, like anytime we open our mouths, it's like, well, don't do the culture war stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's going to make Bitcoin political. Yeah, exactly. But it's happening already. Right. Like mm-hmm. the book that I wrote is a response to that. Right? right. So like you can't expect somebody to understand a really difficult, complicated topic if they are made personally to feel uncomfortable about their beliefs by the people trying to teach them. Right. Like you can't teach people about Bitcoin and say, well, 
this whole thing about, you know, gay marriage or about eating a vegan diet or about like electric cars are stupid, whatever, like you pick the topic and you're just put, you're turning people off and they're not going to want to learn about Bitcoin if that's their first introduction to like what a Bitcoiner is. And so I'm not trying to replace those people and I'm not trying to point the, the, the dialogue about Bitcoin in the opposite direction. All I'm trying to do is offer an alternative to say, you can talk about these things in a different way because they're like, you know, the idea that, you know, there's, there's these political, like, you know, quote unquote, culture war issues that doesn't affect the Bitcoin protocol. Like there are people who believe the opposite from you and, and still can appreciate the beauty and power of Bitcoin. And so I, you know, I think that we can use a sound money policy to really advance liberal progressive ideals, like left to center ideals, which is using, um, you know, resources to help build people up, protect the vulnerable, provide safety nets, provide um, programs that are thoughtful and, and like well planned out to actually help build people up. Um, and to um, make war less common and make conflict and violence less common, um, you know, to help alleviate wealth concentration and wealth inequality. Like these are all of the like the foundational principles that I really care about. Where you're treating people with respect and dignity and equality, and you're not, um, you know, you're not discriminating against. You're not making fun of. You're not dismissing anybody, and you're including sort of like the whole spectrum of human experience within your considerations, um, I don't necessarily feel like a lot of the mainstream Bitcoiners that existed, you know, that I learned from necessarily espouse those ideals, right? So um, I'm just trying to offer a different perspective for people who are new to the Bitcoin space, and then they want to hopefully latch on to something that resonates with them and speaks to them. Um, and so that's the hope. So, you know, it's a very um, high level definition of progressive, like it doesn't get into the nitty gritty, but like, I'm not against like government, quote unquote, as a representation of our society that we live in, um, you know, like trying to make sure that the people that we live around are uh, secured and taken care of and like um, protected. In, in those ways. So like those are progressive ideals. Those are like the, that has um, connections to policy that exists now. Um, and I also mentioned in the book and throughout many conversations, like the things that are really critical and important and ideal in, in the current situation, we have these fiat cause problems and the solutions to them, are, as we were saying before, are within the system. Like I am also open to the idea that with a new system, there are different problems and there are different solutions that, you know, like, like the drive to, for a $15 minimum wage maybe isn't as necessary under a Bitcoin standard. Maybe it is like, you know, that I'm open to these other ideas that might exist to solve different problems in a different system. Um, and so, again, it's not like a policy specific definition. It's just sort of like, what, what are the underlying ideals and things that I care about? And I know that there are other people that care about those same things, too, because I, I talk to them, right? Like, I, I'm with them in person. And, um, and that's, I mean, I think that's a great introduction to Bitcoin. Like, hey, you see these problems in the world. Let's look at those problems differently. Let's look at the solutions differently. Yeah. And, and I think, again, it's, it's values driven. It's speaking the same language. So, and I, and I think you've articulated that so many times and, and people who still 
refute you on that or just trying to create conflict because you've said in almost every interview or every interaction, you know, you are a teacher and educator. Your whole point is to try to educate people and speak to them in a language they can understand, not compromise on any values within Bitcoin. And again, that's a tricky subject because you're right. It's a protocol, right? People are going to put values on it based on their own political or cultural or religious persuasions. And I think what you're you're trying to do very clearly is, again, speak to progressives in their own language, something you identify with as well, because that's the best way. And I think the only way we're going to get to mass adoption is if we talk to people in their own language, so then we can try to remove political or cultural context from it the best we can to say, this is actually what it is. It's not what you may have been led to think so far. And the beauty, the beauty of Bitcoin is that I, in, in an ideal sense, and maybe in the long term, it transcends these political ideologies completely, right? And, and I think that we know that that's the goal. Um, but you cannot get people on board if they already see themselves in these categories and in these buckets. You're not going to get them on board to transcend that if they already like if they feel stuck isn't the right word, but they feel comfortable in that role. They feel comfortable in the sense that I am a Democrat or I'm a progressive and I believe in these things. If if you don't speak to them in that way, they can't get on board like the Bitcoin lifeboat and then transcend the politics because they're already they're still stuck in it. So I think hopefully, like like you said, like one day, you know, the book isn't needed anymore and it's, you know, it it's just silly to talk about politics within Bitcoin at all. Um maybe we reach that point. That would be awesome. But I, I think that the 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 idea that like you or I are introducing politics into Bitcoin and it didn't exist before is just that, you know, like objectively silly, right? Like it's, it already is there. And just because you agree with the politics people are sort of spitting out doesn't mean that like they're not being political about Bitcoin on this social layer above the protocol. They already are. It's only when you hear something you disagree with that you're like, oh, well, let's not make Bitcoin political. But the truth is it already has become there. There's a political layer on top of the protocol already. And most people don't recognize that because they just happen to agree with the politics that people spout out saying, OK, well, if you're into Bitcoin, you should probably just only be eating meat. And the government is not going to exist soon because we have Bitcoin and all of that stuff like that's those are political statements or those like feel like uh, this culture war statements. They already exist. So it's not like you and I are introducing politics into like this layer of Bitcoin. It's already there. It's just pretty jarring when people hear stuff they don't agree with, right? And so I just say like it's um, the hope, the aspiration is that Bitcoin becomes a tool and it doesn't make sense to talk about it in any political sense. And we are not there yet. There's a lot of people who are comfortable in their, in their silos and in their categories. And if we want to transcend that, we have to get them onto Bitcoin first. And then we transcend the politics. I don't think it works the other way. Yeah, and that's I think that's the one of the most positive element is some in the Bitcoin community. I think we need to continue working on this. It truly is a way to transcend that, right? You you start thinking a lot less in left and right. Again, not changing values. Like I think people have asked you the same question. People ask me, are you less liberal now? Are you less no? I understand money better, but I still a lot of those values are still very much so with me. I might have more understanding. Also, I grew up in a conservative environment. So I understand that and already have sympathy sympathy for that, that camp. Um, but again, I, I want those in the Bitcoin community to, to be honest with themselves. When you look up Bitcoin or look type in Bitcoin into Twitter, 
a lot of what you still see is a lot of things rooted in Judeo-Christian, um, you know, culture and religion. You see a lot of attacks on the trans community, attacks on the gay community, and those are non-negotiables for me personally. Um, I would rather vote for someone that's going to protect and uphold those rights than for someone who says they like Bitcoin. And I think a lot in the community are not being honest about what you just said, where it's like their preference is something different than that, right? But can we have open conversations about people are still seeing a lot of things that have nothing to do with Bitcoin? I just want to come in and say, hey, if you're a big prominent Bitcoiner and you're spending most, if not all of your time talking about culture war stuff, you need to ask yourself, do you care more about Bitcoin's mass adoption? Those are fine. Those are other arguments we can have. And a lot of those arguments I just won't have because it's like, oh, okay, I'm just different than that. That's just not my values or I'm not religious in that way or whatever. That's a separate conversation. And a lot of it is social media. So if Bitcoin is a different system, Bitcoiners, I think a lot, understand that and try to also live differently. It can it can truly create a more har- harmonious relationship with each other. And I've experienced that with many Bitcoiners. But some are still engaging in their own words, what I'll say is very fiat behavior, very culture war engagement behavior. And I and I think I think we're better than that. And I'm saying that now if someone's listening and they're like, what are you talking about? They will find out very quickly, but most listening know what I'm talking about. And yeah, and and I think that, you know, again, like the hope is to transcend that. Um, but uh, um, don't be fooled into thinking that like the Bitcoin community as it exists today or six months ago, even or a year ago, it, it exists in a politically neutral landscape. Right? Um, it just, it, you know, for a lot of people, uh, it just existed in a way that was political in a way that they agreed with. So it was, you know, it didn't, they didn't notice it. Um, and we're, and we're not trying to do anything different or it eliminate or replace that um, you know, that segment of the Bitcoin community or the culture around Bitcoin. I like, I just think it's important that people who are new to Bitcoin, who are like, we're talking about the next wave of adoption have resources out there, whether that's your podcast or, or my book or the interviews with, you know, tons, a growing number of progressive Bitcoiners who are very prominent. There are resources out there. So people feel comfortable and at home and they see how Bitcoin solves problems that they see in their life in a way that makes them feel included and welcomed, I think that we're doing, you know, that has to be a valuable use of my time and, and your time. And, and so I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to do it. And, and my hope too, is that people will be able to find a lot of that on, on this podcast. Um, I've had multiple different things already of people saying, you should talk about this more, you should, it should be more progressive, or it should be less progressive or things already. <laughs> and we're, we're only yeah, yeah. like three or three new episodes in uh, three or four. Um, but the one, one thing I will say is, uh, I, I don't want to pigeonhole too much on this podcast, but my, my intention with this podcast is that we talk about things that can resonate with progressives or the left, and hopefully can also introduce those from the right or other communities, what those progressive or left values actually are so that they get a better understanding of what we're trying to do here, what other folks are, but it, I'm not going to have only progressives on this podcast, right? There might be some very right leaning, leaning folks, on the podcast, but that are that are open to articulating things in a way that is this is important. We should try to pull people in from the left to see the world's problems, and also to highlight uh, the really positive things that Bitcoin's doing. Right, like a lot of this podcast is going to be focused on positive things because that's a really cool selling message. Not just like every episode is just like wow, the world is really messed up and we're screwed. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, sometimes yeah. it's hard to avoid that. Uh, you can you can feel that on different times, but some people are going to get. Um, for their political leanings, 
they might understand and get something out of Bitcoin in a different way, listening to Robert Breedlove's podcast. And that's okay. That That's okay, right? Or I might disagree with certain things, but this one I hope can be a space for those that typically might not go out of their way to listen to other other folks or might be turned off by certain things to gain something of value. Same thing with people who are reading your book, obviously. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. One thing too I want to talk about, um, I think it's one of the harder things for progressives to reconcile and talk about in Bitcoin. And I'm not asking this question thinking there's a good answer for it yet, um, or if ever there will be. But, you know, talking about inequity and inequality in the world, I think is a very important thing for for progressives and those on the left. And I think for for most people, right, it just might be different different um, ways to to combat that. You know, I would say, and you've been honest about this, like Bitcoin doesn't isn't a you know a magic bullet for these things or doesn't fix a lot of these things. How do you talk to progressives about wealth inequality and what Bitcoin or this kind of worldview change? What are some of the ways we might be able to address that as compared to what is clearly failing in the current system? Right. Um, and, you know, first of all, I'll say like, you know, this idea of wealth inequality and wealth concentration is is of critical importance. Right. Like, I, I think that people on the left are told this or they believe it or it's it's deep within them uh, that they understand, like, you know, having insanely like you can't even comprehend like wealthy people. Um, and then people who can't feed themselves in America is is a problem. And not just like in the moral, like, I want everybody to have food in their mouth kind of problem. It's like, it's like the structure and stability of society kind of problem, right? Like it is like how, uh, it's like a measure of how secure and flourishing we are. And if, if all of the technological advancements and the efficiencies for the last 50 years have just flown to the top and like people don't have jobs or they can't feed themselves or they they can't find a job that pays enough to feed their family. Like those are like structural problems that exist in society. Right. And so it's, it's, first of all, super important. Um, And it's not just something that like liberals talk about because they hate rich people. Like this is actually like foundational to like a healthy functioning um, country, nation, world society. People on the left who have heard a lot of messaging from politicians or from certain, you know, branches of the media, are very quick to look at the problem in a one-dimensional way, right? There are greedy people out there. There are corporations who take advantage of people. There are tax breaks for the rich. You know, it, all of those things are true, by the way, right? Like none of that's wrong. Like there are very like greedy people who have more than they possibly could ever use in many, many lifetimes, and all they're doing is spending their days thinking about how to get more. Like that's true. Um, there are corporations who take advantage of their employees and try to like increase profit margins at the expense of like human flourishing and like comfort and like, you know, just the humanity. Um, like that's also true. Um, I think that what I like the message I would like to get out there is that it's not just a problem on top of a healthy system. It's not just like those things that I mentioned. And if we fix those things, then the problem of wealth inequality goes away. Um, It is foundational and interwoven into the system as it exists. So to better understand how money is created, um, who is advantaged by the creation of money, uh, what does that process look like and, and how, our current fiat system that we've had for the last, you know, 50 to 100 years is like that inequality is inevitable in a way, right? Like it, it's, in, it's baked into the rules of the system. 
So if you really want to address it at a root cause, sure, there are these symptoms of wealthy uh, individuals or powerful corporations or all of these other things. But those I would think of as instead of like, that's the problem, that's the symptom of the problem. And to dig deeper into the monetary system, the financial, the legacy financial system, and see how those inequalities are um, made, created, and pre- uh, perpetuated in a way that's like function, like foundational to the system itself. And so, a better understanding of Bitcoin can help give you a lens into that, right? Because you can understand like the way that Bitcoin is decentralized and distributed, and um, you know the money is created on a on a algorithmic issuance schedule. Like all of that transparency and like um, and that uh, level playing field, all of that is like the ideal. And what we have in comparison right now is it's horribly inadequate. If your goal is like an equitable system that values work and values humans, like you cannot get that with the system we have. At least, uh, you know, I haven't seen an example. I don't see a path towards that without changing what the system is. Um, so I think that's that would be the message. Not only it's important, and also it's foundational to the system. It's interwoven into the into the structure. It's not just a problem that you can solve on top of a healthy system. Yeah, like we have like again, you know, coined by many many different people, but you know, the 99% versus the 1%. There's more than even 1%, but we'll focus on the uber wealthy 1% at a click of a button, right? That That's how they generate wealth through a public system that is government stamped, like public company, right? SEC oversight. Um, oh, we're going to protect people through this, right? They, they actually don't even click the button. Someone else clicks the button to buy more shares <laughs> for them. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, these yeah. people literally do not work do not provide anything, right? Maybe the companies and the founders originally created this, this wealth that exists, right? Um, so I think that's something I want to hit home to people as well as this system is not based on what, what you're saying. Um, you know, fairness and wealth and Wall Street, these individuals, the Fed, whoever has way, way too much power without any say or any checks on that. Bitcoin is a, a check just in and of itself, right? And I think Personally, I think it's a little cheat code. Like if people have some Bitcoin today, me personally, I think 10 years from now, they'll be very surprised and be in a better place to feel like, huh, I don't have to uh, to necessarily work these three jobs right now and be in really dangerous situations that the last system put them under, right? It's like, it's the cheat code. It's an ability to mock those individuals and say, all right, you guys stick with that. I'm going to go over here and, and do this Bitcoin thing and, and watch that other system kind of fade away. Right. And, and I think that um, the, the idea that, I mean, the system as it exists right now can only exist if we convince like a large portion of the populace that like we live in a meritocracy where if you work hard and you're smart and you have good ideas, then you'll be successful. And while that is true in a, in a small minority of cases, like you and I both know, like that's not actually how the world works, right? The people who actually have the most are not the ones who are like, working really hard or adding to, you know, uh, society in these really tangible ways. It's the people who have the connections and who can press a button and make more money and all of this stuff that you just mentioned. It's, it, it relies on this myth of this meritocracy, where it's like, oh, your income is just proportional to the contributions you give to society. That's not true. Like, it just, it just isn't. Um, and, and again, like, maybe there are some exceptions out there, uh, but that proves the rule. Like, most people who 
um, are really struggling and working like, you know, there's people working through jobs and, and doing really important critical things to like the functioning of society who are like breaking their back and working day in and day out. Like those people are struggling right now. And those are the people who we should be protecting or um, at least providing if not protecting, providing a system that's actually fair, right? Not just like one that we're going to tell you is fair. So you keep working that really hard job because we need like sewers to work and we need garbage to be picked up. Otherwise, society crumbles. We need you to keep doing that. So we're going to tell you this version, like story, like, oh, we live in a meritocracy and Jeff Bezos deserves everything he has because he worked really hard. Like there, it's more, there's more to the story than that, right? Like it's not as simple as, as, as that. So I think all of these are, like it's a very intricate issues and topics, but um, it's all predicated, like you said, this fiat mindset where they have to tell this story. Otherwise, the whole thing starts crumbling down. And what we tell ourselves the system is, is completely not it. And I think more people, the left in general, one of the, I even have like this random thought yesterday. And again, it's something I've known for a while, but just even the thought of like, well, like like Bitcoin is something you can actually own if you if you manage your private keys, which again, we'll have more conversations around this as well um, and present more resources to folks to just understand that technical component as well, not just the cultural political stuff yes. in Bitcoin, but uh, it's one of the few things you can own as well. Um, whereas dollars in your pocket, dollars in your bank account aren't really there, right? Nice. Um, it's kind of an IOU mm-hmm. on that. Uh, but just in general, understanding that oh also the total amount of dollars in the system that can change at any point as well right so your dollar is not people understand can see inflation they can see how this works so a lot of people like i have money it's like no you don't and i think once people start to understand that concept yeah and again even me saying that let's say there's a few people listening that actually don't know anything about bitcoin me you know saying that people listening i would have said the same thing been like oh my gosh this is kind of just like kooky like Oh, really out there stuff and trying to present it in a way of like, no, it's just for the longest time in human history, arguably until about the civil war, money and medium of exchange was something you really owned, right? It was, it was gold. Yes. It was precious metals. It was these things like you feel like, like the books on my bookshelf. I feel like those, I own those. Those are, those yes. are physical things, right? Or if you own your house, it's also kind of complicated, right. um, can yep. be a little tricky as well. Um, money and especially the, the U S dollar, you look at global financial system, you look at the way the things are going, mm-hmm. it's really hard to say you you have that and own that. Bitcoin is something you actually have and own. And that is not a political fringe statement. I guess it no. can be a political action, but it's it that's a real thing you can you can own. And I really want people to understand the importance of that. And that and that's critically important. I think that uh, owning Bitcoin and securing it on, you know, a hardware device that you own the you know you control the keys for. The, the day that I did that, what I remember that feeling like of having something that I owned and controlled and was responsible for that nobody could take from me, no matter what, like that was, a, that's an amazing feeling. And it's, and it's totally different way of thinking about money. So for the new listeners out there who are the, oh, it's a kooky, like, you know, weird conspiracy theory or whatever. Like, it's true. Like the dollars in your bank account are not real. They are ones and zeros in a computer somewhere. They're an IOU. Um, they can be debased at any moment and have been. And I think that, that, you know, I've had the conversation with many people who, when you're speaking to an American about this kind of stuff, it's a little bit challenging because Americans have the privilege of using U.S. dollars. But 
they certainly, you know, even those people can understand, like if you imagine yourself in, you know, Argentina or Bolivia or some other country that doesn't have the same currency, then all of a sudden you can understand, well, those currencies are bad, but the dollar is good. And, and realizing, well, it's actually, they're all on a continuum. <laughs> and like the United States dollar historically in the recent, in our lifetime and, and beyond has been the best one of those, but it is still suffering the same fate, right? It is still on the same trajectory. It's just on a different place in the arc. So if you, if you can get your head around that and like, it, the dollar is meant to be debased over time because there is no way to pay back the debt and to you know, service like an economy that's weighed down with as much debt as we have, both public and private debt. Um, the dollar is meant by design to be debased. There is no other plan for it. Um, just look into that. Keep learning about why that is, how that works, how it happens, why it happens, who controls it, who makes those decisions. And, um, you know, you quickly come to the conclusion that like owning something like Bitcoin and actually owning it, not like, oh, I have a bank account that, you know, says that I have this certain amount of money, um, like actually owning real money uh, for the first time was a powerful moment for me. Um, and I, you know, I still remember it. Uh, that was like the moment I was like, I finally got my Bitcoin onto this hardware device. And I was like, wow, this is great. Now, I actually have something of real value that can't be debased, um, can't be confiscated, can't be skimmed, can't be taken from me. Um, you know, so that that's, I, I wish that for everybody. Um, so if you're listening to this, um, you know, I, I hope that you get to that point in your Bitcoin journey uh, sooner rather than later, because like you said, it's a cheat code for the next, you know, the rest of your life. If, if you do it properly and you learn about it, um, it it's going to make your life better. Yeah, and I think society and the world would be better regardless of how much Bitcoin you personally own or have in this in this worldview, right? But I think also, like, I, I'm a millennial. I think there'll be many people as well listening who are millennials. If you're a millennial listening and you're a Bitcoiner, articulate this to your friends and family in this way, especially from the left. Like, you know, my generation, I was in, you know, I'm 30 now. I was in fourth grade when 9-11 happened, right? That kind of changed the world uh, in a lot of different ways, right? But it changed uh, also the surveillance state and privacy, yes. right? That kind of went away in a lot of areas, um, completely out the window with with that um, complete overreach in, in those events, right? 2008, great, great financial crisis. We saw banks get bailed out by a Democratic president, right? Again, because the problems were immediate and it was a Band-Aid solution or else the economy and many people would have bled out even more than they already did, right? So it, it, any individual would have done the same thing that, that Obama did, right? It wasn't, this was all leading to this point, right? But millennials, I think, are primed. I think everyone can understand this, but millennials are primed to understand just as maybe people did during Vietnam in this era of just questioning, saying like, man, these things keep happening, right? I think they're primed to understand Bitcoin in a new way. And yeah, I, I think I have, I think I have that uh, a line in my book, right, of saying, okay, this is this is obviously you know, some issue or some problem is an indication that the system is broken, and who knows how many more of those will exist between me writing it and you reading the sentence, right? Like, yeah, no, yeah. we're not going to stop having problems, and we're not going to stop having like emergencies that are created by the central bank or by the government or by, you know, inside the financial system and, and just keep watching, right? See who they bail out, see how they operate, see how they deal with the problem. 
it's all band-aid fixes because the the real solution's just too painful um, and not politically viable and all of those things, right? So just keep watching. And if you're a millennial or even if you're a little bit older like me, like you're like, you know, 9-11 happened with, for me when I was coming into my adulthood, right? And at the, you know, I can tell you as somebody who was, you know, an adult in that space, like it was a scary time. And it doesn't, it makes complete sense that people were willing to forego their civil liberties and their, their privacy and all of the things that sort of went away at that moment because people were afraid. Um, but it's absolutely critical that you think like, why don't I have any semblance of financial privacy right now? Why, why does the corporation and the bank and the government need to know what I'm spending my money on and who I'm sending it to and why is know your customer so important? I know that presumably it protects us against terrorism, but it's really a, a surveillance state in a way, you know, like, you know, it, it, it extended to library books. Like people would get flagged based on what books they took out of the library. I mean, that that's a level of privacy that, um, you know, most Americans don't realize. We, we didn't have that before. Um, and, and so like Bitcoin is like one sort of like lens to view all of that through. Um, but having more, um, individual responsibility, having more privacy, having the ability to transact in a way that is peer to peer. Bitcoin provides us all of that in an electronic way that was all taken away from us, uh, you know, with the Patriot Act and the subsequent, you know, uh, you know, re signings of, the, of, of that law that like that should speak to people in this target audience, right? Like we should expect people to be able to transact if they're not doing anything harmful or, you know, detrimental to other humans, like be able to transact in a way that's private um, and not give up your personal you know, information for this semblance of uh, security and safety. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that the whole message speaks to lots of people. I think your point is that if you're a millennial, like your whole life has been problem after problem <laughs> and like, oh, here's the here's the Band-Aid solution. That's an overreaction from the government or from big banks or whatever. Like it should really speak to to that generation uh, really well. But it speaks to everybody. Right. Like, I think we can all see that um, and there are problems and even within the system, how it, how it's constructed. Um, there has to be a better way. There has to be a better way for me to send you a fraction of a cent uh, without anybody knowing about it, because that's what good money does. Um, and within the legacy financial system, uh, there isn't that, that ability to do that. And now with Bitcoin, there is. At the worst case, you can be censored or your bank account can be shut down or you can, if, if that government or whoever doesn't like what you're doing, right? But even on the lighter case, right, a lot of banks or companies or governments are really incompetent, right? So whether it's like your payment is delayed for two weeks because, oh, there's a glitch in the system or these things do not happen in the same way in Bitcoin. And Bitcoin is by no means perfect. There are a lot of different solutions, a lot of different things, right, that are being worked on and built on top of and all these innovative companies and things like this that are moving at, again, lightning network, light speed, but just in general, like crazy, crazy fast. Um, and another thing I wanted to articulate and I'll... I'll do so with other guests coming up is in terms of censorship, freedom, freedom of speech. One of my frustrations is that that message has really been co-opted by the right. Um, I think since COVID, even before that, right? And again, not disagreeing with the sentiment of that. Like I come from a point of view where regardless of your political views or leanings, you should not be canceled or shut down just on merits of kind of political, right? There's, there's kind of 
you know, threats and different things like that, that's different, right? But for instance, for our, the left audience here, talking about the Canadian trucker protests, that might not appeal to them that much because that was seen, again, for better or for worse, perception-wise, seen as a more right-wing movement in a lot of ways. Um, again, I don't think it should have been portrayed that way. I don't think people should have had their bank accounts shut down, their livelihoods affected. That was a massive, massive, in the US, would have been an unconstitutional overreach that happens all the time. The one thing I will say, people, imagine if Ron DeSantis is president or Donald Trump is president, someone that you from, from the left would say, I don't like this person or their, their worldviews. And you are a trans activist, right? And they say, we're going to shut your bank account down because, uh, and, and we're, uh, uh, Margo and I talked about literal possibility of concentration camps, like th- things like this that are really, really dangerous, right? So for whatever that is on the left for someone, that could just as easily happen depending on a person who's in power, that seems really messed up. So let's just take a step back and have a system where that's not even a, a possibility. And we're not talking about terrorism. Like a Bitcoin is also on an open ledger. So it's actually harder to get away with things uh, at a Bitcoin level in some ways compared to the US dollar, which is actually used in a lot of terrorism and illicit activities and things like that. So the left needs to think about what is something that could happen where you wouldn't want to be censored or your movement wouldn't want to be something held against it. Like Bitcoin has an answer for that. And I think people should really think about that. I, 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 the point couldn't be made enough, right? Is that just because there's some sort of political activism that you don't agree with that's being censored or bank accounts are being confiscated or whatever, frozen, that's happening. Um, it could very easily happen to you on the other side, right? So if, if all of a sudden you know, 12 years ago, you donated to like a Black Lives Matter group and all of a sudden the wrong person gets elected and that's all right, that's a terrorist organization right now, right? And now your bank account gets frozen or something. Like these are possibilities. I'm not saying necessarily that they're likelihoods, but like that way of thinking about it is critical because you have to understand like it cuts both ways and different people are going to be in power and sometimes there's going to be people you don't agree with. Um, and so you need to be like, I just think the right move is to just uh, push for financial freedom and I can support uh, the activists and the people that I care about who agree with me. And I can do that without fear that, you know, my money is going to be censored or stolen from me or frozen and um, really just let it be, a, you know, a, an engagement in a battle of ideas. Like who has the better ideas and we're going to support people and we're going to go from there, but it's not going to be like the government stepping in and freezing bank accounts of people that don't agree with them because that's, I mean, that's some scary stuff and it, ha- it can happen uh, to anybody. Man, we could keep this conversation going a lot longer and, and we'll do <laughs> it again in many different ways and areas. Um, but, but to wrap up here, Jason, what, is, what is life looking like for you these days? So I know you've talked about it many times on podcasts, but you're currently on a sabbatical. Um, so you'll be on a sabbatical for an academic year. Right. And so what are some things you're looking forward to, or what are what are some things you're gonna you're gonna do to to keep busy this year? I get a year off from from my day job, um, which is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, it's such a gift um, to be able to essentially promote the book and promote Bitcoin. So, yeah, my goal is to have as many conversations like this as as I can. Go around to my local community, and you know whether that's libraries or locally owned business uh, bookstores and things like that talk about the book, talk about Bitcoin, educate people who want to be educated and just continue to, to engage with the Bitcoin community. But ideally, just expand the reach and get people who never would have thought about Bitcoin or think that they can just sort of dismiss it and it will go away. Give them a, a, 
an avenue to start learning. So the goal for the year is just to get in front of as many people as I can and help them learn about Bitcoin. And whether that's just sort of the basics or through a specifically a political progressive lens, like either way, depending on the audience, like I'm, I'm here for it. Um, I'll be doing a little bit of traveling around, but um, a lot of local work within my community to do that. And then a lot of conversations like this. So if, if you're listening out there and uh, you know, you want to talk to me or you want to engage me in some project, I'm, I'm, you know, have availability and the interest to just help push the message and um, get out there and do the work. Awesome. And I'll make sure that is all in the show notes, as well as Jason's book, which I've talked about a million times and Jason has too. But if you want copies, if you need copies, um, we've got a promo link, you can get 10% off if you use that uh, in the show notes as well. Um, but but get it, read it, send it to people you love and care about who might be interested in it, even if you're not sure, um, it couldn't hurt uh, to get it out in their hands. So uh, and I'll make sure Jason, your can you remind people your website as well to find out what yeah. you're up to and where um, to go? Yep. So Twitter handle is C Jason Mayer. So you can find me on Twitter. And then the website, um, if you want to learn more about the book and, and buy the book, you can go to bitcoinprogressive.com. Um, but I do encourage you to use Trey's link and get 10% off. I think that's great. Um, and just like I said, a lot of people have reached out to me. And I mean, it's been overwhelming and humbling to, to just the amount of people who've reached out to me to say that they've enjoyed the book and are passing it along or buying copies for people that they love and care about. That's the intention of the book, right? Help educate people who aren't into Bitcoin yet. Um, so I'm just, like I said, humbled and honored that people would uh, consider this as a resource for their loved ones. And I encourage you to, to consider it in that light. Yeah, that's awesome. And even if someone isn't on the left or something like that, I think, Jason, what you're doing is you know, very, very authentic and very, very noble in your intentions. And just, again, I think you said this recently on a podcast, Wait, I jotted it down. Oh, yeah. You mentioned, um, you know, your your point is in educating people and educating voters, not trying to win over a politician or trying to fight someone. Like your approach, you're like, from day one, you're like, I'm a teacher and that's what I'm going to do. And I think that's that's a very warm, nice way to interact with people. We've got some people that are the fighters. We've got, you know, everyone, need, you know, we need various different types of people, I think, in this space or in any any cause, but yours is like, I'm an educator and that's how you approach it. And I think people receive that really well, regardless of their their political views. So so thank you for that. I, I really point to you as, it's like, hey, be, be like Jason. <laughs> be like Jason, interact with people in a kind way like Jason. And uh, I think that'll bode well for, for Bitcoin or for whatever you're pursuing, right? To, thank to you. make life better. Yeah. Let's hope All so. Right. Thank you, Jason. Uh, we'll do this again soon sometime. Take care. Thank you, Trey.